we will move to the app store, the appification, where we start to act like an ecosystem of service providers. And the data to enable this will come from the digital twins. Urban Jungle brings stories from people around the globe that design and build a better world. I am Magda Flores and this is Urban Jungle. Welcome. Today we talk about digital twins. This is a conversation with Jakob Bachowski, Director for Industry Advancement at Bentley, and you are focused on Digital Advancements Academies. Hello, Jakob. Hello, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. To picture where you are, would you like to share with us a place you like to visit? Absolutely. So I'm uh, actually based in Singapore. I relocated here about 40 months ago. Singapore is an amazing place to live. Climate is one of the reasons. Before the lockdowns, I was actually walking every day through this path along the little harbor. It's a seaside close to my condominium. Boats everywhere, dense nature. I mean, very dense in Singapore. Everything is very dark, green, dense. It's, you can even uh, meet some monkeys from time to time. So that's one of the places I think that I really started to enjoy since you know, 14 months that I'm here. But otherwise, in Singapore, there are many other places. I could definitely recommend you guys a few, maybe Marina Bay and the Singapore River, where the history of Singapore actually manifests itself in these little houses that contrast with the glossy towers of Singapore, which we built really fast over the last 20 or 30 years. Wow. Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get into high-tech, green, futuristic Singapore? Actually, how did I get into Singapore? How did I get into Digital Twins? I think the journey starts really with my background. So I'm an engineer, an architect. I worked in architectural projects uh, before joining Bentley. I've been running projects in Moscow, in Europe, in Middle East as well. So I think really the journey starts with this understanding and passion for buildings, engineering, infrastructure. So this is where I'm coming from. But then ultimately, you know, you realize that we are producing data, right? As organizations, engineers, architects, what we are actually doing, we are generating a lot of data, whether it's drawings, whether it's models, whether it's presentations, you name it. But it's about this data, which has value. So it's about realizing that there is a lot of value behind that. Actually, about 2013, when in the UK, the so-called PAS 1192 has been, has been released, I think this is where I actually realized that data has even more value. And I think also others are starting to realize that there is a lot of value of managed data, right? So, so I, I thought it would be very interesting actually to get, um, a bit, get to know a bit more about, you know, how can you structure the data? How can you uh, collaborate better? What value does it bring to stakeholders on the project? And ultimately, I was, uh, you know, I ended up with Bentley because I really wanted to get to the source of, of innovation. Like, this is where the innovation is conceived, created, and um, I guess uh, it was a bit too slow for me in the other parts of the industry. You know, I think uh, if, you, if you think about the diffusion theory of, of innovations, only about two and a half percent are innovators, 30 percent are early adopters. 
and then 25% the really majority. So I think most of the companies are towards the end of the spectrum. And my, my organization before Bentley was actually probably somewhere between the early adopters and, and early majority. And I think it was a bit too late for me. I wanted to be closer to the source of where the things happened. Um, so I, I, I decided to move into the digital space this way. Um, and somehow I think, you know, the journey ultimately from managed data to the digital twin is very close. Actually, I think is the same, right? So when we talk about, so when we talk about digital twin, ultimately we're talking about managed data, uh, which provides value. And, uh, you know, so I, so I think it's, it's, it's very similar and I think it's, it's just a natural evolution, really. From your expert perspective, what is digital twins? <laughs> right, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Thank you very much. So the digital twin, there is many definitions, many definitions, right? But ultimately, to, in a simplistic way, it's just well-managed, structured data, which also is synchronized with streams from the real world. Now, this synchronization can come in a number of forms. It can be continuous. It can be, you know, maybe not often that we synchronize the existing reality with a virtual reality. But I think it's coming down to this connectivity and synchronization. So I think these are the two verbs that uh, really make up the digital twin. And behind it, there is really this well-managed, structured data that provides value to uh, whoever uses it. I think that's, hope it is a simplified form, but maybe I made it com more complicated. Would you give us an example of how Bentley actually applies digital tweets? I think it's a broad question again, uh, because you see digital twins is not something that provides value per se, right? Digital twins need to be applied to a process, a workflows, a situation, an environment, and actually, they do apply to almost every process that the construction industry is already undertaking. So you could have digital twins which support construction, digital twins which support operations, digital twins that support design. So I think it's a matter of identifying the use cases that are relevant to the particular stakeholder organization but ultimately, you know, I think it comes down to the value. What is the value that we are seeking? And I can give you a few of examples, but I think the, the best example, really, for me, which is a reference example, which I think everybody understands, is something that everybody holds in their hand every day, which is an iPhone. Yeah. So if you think, yeah, so if you think about an iPhone, for instance, you can ask the question yourself, where are the biggest benefits? Is it in design? So you're designing your phone or maybe Apple will design the phone for us. Or is it that the biggest benefit is the, in assembling it, right? In building this iPhone. Or maybe the benefit, the best benefit is actually when you use it, right? I think the question, the answer to this question is quite clear. The problem is that most of the people don't realize that in the construction industry because it's the life cycle of the asset of a physical asset is quite long and you have a very fragmented industry. Let's just assume that you're paying an iPhone $1,000, right? And the question is, would you pay $50 to make an iPhone which actually satisfies all of your needs and doesn't break after a year, right? 
Well, the problem is that the construction industry at the moment prefers to pay $900, actually end up, ends up paying maybe $1,300, $1,400 in 80% of the cases, and also increases the, the cost of use of an iPhone by another 20 to 50%. So I think that the value really is in understanding where are the biggest benefits. And actually also, how do you add more value by using the iPhone? So what are the use cases? You know, what, what are you able to maybe schedule your, your doctor appointment better? Are you able to meet a person? Are you able to generate business through that? So I think if we then go back to our industry example, let's now assume that you owned a supermarket chain, for instance. It's a big supermarket chain. And imagine you are now able to very accurately predict the energy consumption of all the refrigerators, for instance. And maybe because of that, you're also able to negotiate better prices, maybe 20% lower um, for these refrigerators. Maybe you can also predict failure. You know when to replace them. Or actually, you don't replace them because they may fail less because you were maintaining them better. right? And this is all can be done through the digital twin and, and the analytics. And, and as an example, for instance, we, we've been working with a company which is called Danfoss, who manages about 5,000 supermarkets. And, they, and actually, the refrigerators that are in these supermarkets across the world. And the, these type of outcomes have been achieved through, through this example. But, you know, we could give uh, other examples, like, for instance, uh, an airport. And if you look at an example of um, blackout situation where suddenly you're not able to utilize your airport, you, you maybe close the airport for a couple of days because of some issue with energy production, you lost millions of dollars in revenue and reputation, and did you pay something? Would you invest your resources to avoid some such situation? I think you would. And this is actually a situation which happens with Sydney Airport, where it took them about two days to recover from such a blackout because they didn't know where the information is. They didn't know how the different systems are connected and affecting each other. So I think these are the two clear examples where, especially in operations, where the digital twins provide value. But if you go maybe back a bit closer to some of the examples that relate to the CapEx world, to the actual design and, and construction. An example could be, for instance, and, and this is what we've been doing on, for instance, with a stadium in Barcelona. It was all about having this continuously synchronized information about what's happening on site nearly real time. So the ability to stream data from site and maybe, you know, at one point you start to recognize every move on site you start to update a 4D model, start to update your plans based on what you've seen, what you observed through sensors, cameras, and, and the likes, right? So it's, it's really about having this continuously synchronized real world, for instance, site, and a virtual representation between which helps you identify risks or prevent failures or prevent accidents and so forth. Another example, I think that we shouldn't forget that digital twins as a concept doesn't necessarily just apply to physical assets. So think about the digital twin of an organization. Say better people, better teams, better collaboration. 
Exactly. So, you know, what are the skills? What are the historical skills? What are the future skills? What are the current skills? What is the history of the workflows and processes in which these organizations is actually embedded? Maybe what is the performance of projects, past projects, future projects as a prediction? All right. So I think we could think about digital twin as a bit of a wider concept because it's really about representing reality in whatever form. If it's visual, 3D model, fine. If it's data, useful as well. So I think let's have this concept a bit wider and think outside the box what a digital twin could actually look like. Basically, we are developing parallel systems that could be used for design and optimization of anything, construction, design, operations. Therefore, I would say then that is it a nice to have or is it a must in this particular world? Because one of the things associated with it is the cost. So there's also got to be a cost-benefit element. Absolutely. So again, coming back to my iPhone example, if we spend $1,000 on an iPhone, wouldn't we spend $50 more to make sure that it works? Yes, fair enough. So I think absolutely. So so it's a cost-benefit analysis. And I think the problem is that we have many pockets in the construction industry. So there is pocket of the owner, the pocket of the engineer. Actually, they're not really interrelated and they're not really connected, right? So if we, I think if we are able to create business models that incentivize this transfer when we enable better uh, services. So if you think of a hospital, can we have better services that are provided by doctors? If it's an airport or a station, can we have you know more satisfied users more people coming through the station quicker, better, faster, and, and enjoying. So I think it's about this enabling this virus. So absolutely, the cost is at the center at the moment in the industry. And I do understand that we need to focus on the ROI in terms of the cost, making sure that we recover that. But I think we also need to think about the value which is being unlocked, an additional value through having a well-managed system that doesn't fail, that operates smoothly and provides generally a better customer experience at the end. Okay, so let's assume that we have decided, yes, let's go for digital training of our hospital because we would like the service to be much better. We know that the hospitals have done really well, particularly in the last few months. And therefore, this is where we would like to spend some more of our time and perhaps doing some more collaboration with the local community. Uh, How can we continue to update our software? Hmm. because it is something that we will continue to do, right? Because this is not a one-off exercise. We would like to trial it now to provide that level of optimization and clearly we want to do it in the future. Who owns the software so that we can continue to progress in the way that we collaborate and the various other systems that we would like to attach to it. Because now that I've got my hospital, now clearly I may want to link it with how schools work. And I would like to link it with how my transport system is working so that it all is interlinked and intertwined. So you ask two questions, but actually you asked three questions. Sorry about that. (laughs) So the third question, uh, which I think is uh, even more relevant, is who owns the data? So if you think about the software, it's just a luggage, right? You have the, the way with the place where you store, manage your data. 
but then what's really important is the, the actual data, the content of this luggage. So, but let's let me answer the question: How do we update uh, the software? I think everything now happens in the cloud. We're moving v vendors, including ourselves, are are storing this, the software, the code in the cloud as well, and they're able to push the updates sometimes on a daily basis. So there is no concept of installation and maybe quarterly or yearly update anymore. It's really pushing this little upgrades, deltas, almost on a daily basis. We are also moving generally as at least some of the participants of the industry from owning the code, so owning the software, to a model where you maintain the software. So if you think about, uh, for instance, Linux, where Microsoft has invested millions and millions of dollars to improve the Linux software, but they actually don't own Linux software. And most of the Microsoft servers are run on Linux. But Microsoft doesn't own Linux. Does it have to own Linux? Not necessarily. So it's all about making sure that the software is reliable and that you update your, let's say, your little changes to the software as it's required, as the code develops in a very agile way. So that's about the software update. Now, you're talking also about the software ownership. And again, I stress the fact that it's all about the data ownership, which is most important. But let's go back to this open source concept, because, for instance, Bentley has recently, actually not very recently, it's a couple of years ago now, released the iModelJS, which is a code, also a piece of software, you might say, to build the digital twins, right? So it's not necessarily that we will own the software or any other vendor will own the software. It's about improving the, the open source code and about building these services by utilizing the software that's available to many vendors. And in fact, you can go back here to the concept of ecosystems and platformization, where you start to have software as a platform or digital twins, as, again, as a platform for innovation, where people start to take the data so they need to have the right to take the data. But if you do have the right to take the data, you then start to create new services, new value, new prediction about our virtual systems and physical systems. And through the models such as subscription economy, for instance, where you start to subscribe to those services. And I think this is coming to our industry as well. It's already been happening in other industries, financial services or marketing like Google. It's really about sharing data with other users and then making use of the data and providing additional value potentially to those users. Definitely, if we could do it open source, yeah. like we could have some of the Microsoft platforms and use it on anything, on the phone, on tablets, on the various different systems that we have in various different corporates, then that would actually open up proper collaboration and connectivity, which we don't have at this moment in time open source, certainly that will be the way to go. Uh, whether or not the IT companies believe that's the way we should go, maybe maybe they are maturing. Maybe they are saying, if you win, I win. And therefore, let's have that kind of relationship. Say, if I am a transport client, right, or a water treatment client or a city looking to see how to integrate these systems, I could work with an engineering company and the engineering company could work with the IT company. Or would I work directly with the IT company? I mean, how do you see this working? 
Mm. I, I've seen both models, right? So when uh, we work with some of the major owners globally, and I can tell you, for instance, as example of the Metro line in, in India, where I've spent a few months, also maybe some other Metro lines or airports like Sydney Airport, Frankfurt Airport, or Metro in, in Malaysia, for instance. So sometimes we would work with the owners directly which would buy the software directly from you. Sometimes we would partner with a system integrator, which would provide all the services that are required to implement the technology. And sometimes we would also work with an engineer that might also have a system integration arm. So I think the models, the configurations vary from place to place and and from geography to geography or, or generally depending on how the owners is saying this relationship, whether they trust the vendor or not. I think this question leads to an interesting concept where you can see that a lot of the engineering firms are actually starting to become slowly but steadily in software companies. Some of the engineering firms own a software, a software arm. Some of them start to build its own capabilities. So you can start to see the move from engineering to software and actually a blend, a blended approach where you're providing engineering services through software services on IT services generally. So I think there is generally a blend, but also I think there is, you could see that maybe the engineering companies are becoming software companies but you could argue that there is a possibility that software companies will become engineering companies. And at the moment, I would keep both options open. I think they are still open, but definitely we will see change in the next 10 to 20 years. Yes, I mean, we did see something like that in the water sector many years ago, where the water companies had the IT software and began to have a very big customer base. And of course, then they would launch their IT company. And then in years later, they would actually sell that business because of its value as an IT organization that actually had a great level of infrastructure understanding of the water sector. So it does continue to go back and forth. And then of course, that's when we see loads of alliances happening, loads of selling of the companies, and then of course acquisitions, and then we start all over again. So it seems to be happening in every single market sector. It does, it does. But I think that we need to also consider the fact, what is your core competency, right? So is it engineering or is it software? And it's arguable that the software houses have acquired a multi-year in software engineering competency, which includes, you know, all the services, includes the potentially the also the selling of those software, proposing it as a solution, while engineering companies have, have this other core competency. And I'm not sure exactly, I don't have the answer, but I think uh, in a world where you have more and more competitors and in a place, especially like in construction infrastructure industry, where you have so much more to digitize, in the next 10 to 20 years, because we are just the least, one of the least digitized sectors. I think possibly focusing on these core competencies will help you to drive better value for your shareholders and for your business. And I'm, and I'm not sure whether the engineering companies are well-placed to actually become software companies or, or whether the software companies are well-placed 
to become an engineering company. So maybe a partnership, right? Maybe it's a merger. You, you start to think, you can think about the model, but I think there, something like that will definitely happen. There we go. So what is your opinion in terms of the future trend in digital twins? <laughs> I know it's a very new industry. So everything is trend, everything is development. So what I had to ask. How did you know I'm already thinking about a few steps ahead? <laughs> so, first of all, I think at the moment, we are just joining the dots. We're really building these exchange protocols across the different twins. We're starting to generate structured data. And I would compare our industry to the internet industry in the 80s, where we, we really started to understand how can we share data across different entities and sites and all that. So what I foresee in the very next future is to have the something what I call the internet of twins, connected twins across each other and speaking to each other as well, not necessarily with a human inter intervention. And another concept that I would like to see happening soon is the, the concept of the app store. Again, going back to the iPhone, you know, the moment, the reason why it really grew so fast is because there was a network of innovators providing valuable services through the app store, new apps, new opportunities for any type of service, right? So I think we will move to the app store, the appification of the construction industry, where we start to act like an ecosystem of service providers and the data to enable this will come from the digital twins. So I think until they, we have this app store concept really ready, I don't think the construction industry will really digitize to the fullest. The third concept is this machine to machine concept. So while the humans are connected to, to information and are interacting with information with each other, and I think there is still opportunity to grow, what I see and, and believe is that you will have much more machines connected to other machines and, and realizing additional value. And I think this will be exponential. We're going to connect devices uh, to other devices, services to other services. And this will be, I think, um, exponential. But all in all, I think what we must not forget is the is this empathy concept. Because ultimately we're, we're humans. We need to understand what drives us, what provides value, what are the human needs generally as a consumers of infrastructure. Because ultimately infrastructure is, a, is like iPhone. Infrastructure, buildings need to provide some sort of value and you're focusing on that value. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's an iPhone or maybe we're gonna move to a VR environment, AR environment. We don't know how are you going to communicate, but it doesn't, it, the device doesn't really matter. So I could argue that possibly infrastructure and the way we connect might change in the future and will definitely change in the future. So think beyond the actual business in which we are now. If you're providing the transportation systems, railroads are not competing with another railroad. Railroads compete with Zoom, Skype, and other companies, maybe AR and VR for communication. So I think just thinking outside the box, but focusing on these human needs. And therefore, those are the four key elements I definitely see happening in the near future.
Yes, totally trying to make sure that we all as human beings get the well-being through the various different systems that are working in collaboration for the benefit of all. We've got to get ourselves moving in trying to develop all these trends. Um, what is next for you? I mean, I should say, what is next for Jakub Vahovsky? And I do apologize if I don't pronounce your surname properly. So if you would do me <laughs> a favor of pronouncing your name, that would be awesome. So I think you're, you did quite well. It's Jakub Vahotsky. I have spent 11 years in Italy, and believe me, there were a variety of pronunciations associated with that surname. So I think you did quite well, actually. <laughs> Thank you. So what's next, uh, what's next for me? Um, really, the more I go into this digital transformation journey and story and interact with the company, the more I realize that actually it's not about digital at all. It's about the business transformation. It's about the services that those businesses provide to the end consumers. I think my ideal journey is, is really starting to help companies transform their core business through the means of digital. So the digital is just an enabler for better services, better business models, uh, you can think about better engineering services, better operations, better customer experience. I think I would like to focus more, and I, I already am in a way, on that aspect. And I think the firms we realize that it's not just about digital. It's really about what the digital enables them to do. And there are a number of uh, ways of tackling this problem, uh, focusing on introducing new technologies, new capabilities, or removing the barriers, for instance, right? So you could think about the fact that at the moment we have so much opportunities to digitize technologies everywhere. So it's not about technology anymore. And you could argue that in a very near future, AI will create its own software. Like it's going to be so simple to create new software. But I think it's about this capability to absorb these new digital opportunities and integrate them in the business and provide value to the end user. Ultimately. So this is where, where I would like to focus. That sounds awesome. Thank you very much. Is there anything else that you would like to add that we have not covered? I invite everyone to start the digital journey. Uh, think of digital as really a mean to create a better world, a better society, more connected, and generally, um, just have fun with digital. This is Urban Jungle with your host, Magda Flores. Thanks for joining. And if there is a topic or people you would like to hear from, all you have to do is drop me a line. My email address is urbanwsolutions at gmail.com. I invite you to listen to previous podcasts such as Whole System Solutions for Sustainable Communities and many other topics visit www.urbanwellbeingsolutions.com.